the worst question for any music fan of any band, what is your favorite Tom Petty album if you absolutely only could pick one? So, Doc, I'll, I'll, go, I'll let you go first. Wildflowers. <laughs> it's the correct answer, but why? Well, <laughs> I think uh, uh, for me, it was one of those records. And for me, it's the Wildflowers uh, Extended. The original offer was great, but I knew because I'm in the business, I knew that there was a bunch of goodies we didn't get. Yeah. Right? So when I got my hand on the box set, right, uh, then I uh, I just loved it. I also, um, although I don't think it's always a great fit, I think Rick Rubin is just, you know, uh, it, that collaboration with Tom, he, it was the right time for him to collaborate with him 100%. And so from that as an artistic approach, that as, uh, and we play, uh, we play a version of Wildflowers, the song, and it's based off the alternative take that's right. off the box set that I came across. Cause I was like, oh, that's, <laughs> that's cool. Let's do that. You know? Um, and I just think that it's him at, at his artistic peak he'd been through the wars he had a lot to say yeah so it's wildflowers for me and it's such a fertile part of part of his career right he was writing so many songs and they were all great and you talk right. about that like it's it's luck that rick rubin comes into his life and he had he, he he was very lucky at a lot of points in his life but he was also smart enough to recognize when those those lucky doors opened like you know right. mike campbell sitting in the in um randall marsh's bedroom at Mudcrutch Farm. Hey, who's that guy playing out? Comes out and plays Johnny Be Good. And so they come, come together. You know, um, Ron Blair leaves and he finds Howie Epstein. So he's got this high harmony vocal, this perfect compliment. It's Scott Thurston. There's so many periods in his life where you know, Jimmy Iovino, Jeff Lynne, or Jeff, George Harrison. But he was the one, one of those guys who knew, I need to make the most of this and I need to grab onto this and, uh, and make sure that I get the best out of it. So Chris, Even though it doesn't make oh, uh, uh, financial sense, right? Yeah. It doesn't yeah. make career sense. You know, he's just like, I'm getting to hang out with George Harrison, who's just going to stop by Bob Dylan's house. <laughs> <laughs> just imagine, man. Oh, my God. I would go, okay, yeah, let's go to Bob's house. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what are you, Chris? Uh, well, not, I mean, if I had to pick one album to listen to over and over and over again, it'd be live at the Fillmore, just because the, the range, I mean, that's not really a fair answer, but just it shows the range of 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 talent there and the ability to play other people's songs yeah. in a way that is unique to Tom Petty you know it, it's just it's a remarkable accomplishment over obviously a long period of time but it's 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 an amazing uh it's an amazing album um in fact doc got me the vinyl for my birthday which was nice. awesome the six so, the six lp the deluxe yeah, uh, no, it's the yeah, actually, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's that, that whole package. I mean, what the yeah. estate's done with Wildflowers and all the rest with this, I think we were talking about Mojo earlier. I think there's a Mojo set coming. I think there's something happening because there's they just dropped oh, really? another, another interview today with Ben Montench where he was talking about listening to each other and playing and all that kind of stuff. I, I hmm. suspect there's a, a documentary or something's coming. I think, I think, okay. And I didn't, well, I didn't put any caveats on this answer either, to, either Chris. I think film was a brilliant answer. Someone it, else, it, I think Jake Thistle picked live anthology for kind of the same okay. reason yeah if, if not that, if not that yeah yeah if i had to pick another uh album <laughs> because yeah. like i said live at the film was a little bit cheating um it'd be damn the torpedoes 
only because to me it's like it was my introduction to petty yeah i was in high school at the time i remember the the first time i heard here comes my girl um it was uh it was it was at a time when i was dating uh, a girl named vicky <laughs> who was also <laughs> known as as boopsie uh and and i was I wasn't really dating her. I wanted to date her. Let's put it that way. And I, it was like summer break and I was, I was hanging out with her at her parents' house in Westwood. And it was just like, it was like this magical time in my high school life when, you know, I was like, I was, anyway, I heard that song and that was it for me. I was hooked on Petty after that. Yeah. And what a great song too, with that very unusual you know, because he says in in conversations with Paul Zolo, I just yeah. didn't know what melody to put over the verse. Right. So I just I just talked it, and it's like wow, live like just the the prescience to be able to do that and recognize that that's what the music needed. I mean, it's just brilliant. Well, and it's such it's a, such a different approach, you know, yeah. that for the time, you know, that it came out. So anyway, so Mudcrutch or Traveling Mulberries, Chris, which is your which is your favorite? Not which is better, which is your favorite? I have to say traveling Wilburys. I, you know, I, I, I definitely want to go with that. Oh, if for no other reason than Roy Orbison, you know, and his yeah. voice, no doubt. I'm a, I'm, I'm a traveling Wilbury boy. I, I think the songs were too proto heartbreakers for me. Okay. Uh, the Mud Crutch stuff was too proto. Like, uh, you know, that that collaboration in Traveling Wilburys is just some next level uh, stuff that, you know, I can't wrap my head around. Like, no, I, I, I mean, think it, of myself as a creative person and I'm like, I, that's a mutant. <laughs> that's an X-Man over there. And yeah, <laughs> I, I'm a muggle. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. It's, it's one of those things that you look at and you think, you know, there are super groups, you know, the High Women were a great super group and there's been others like Audio Slave, you could maybe argue, but there's never been a super group that's brought together five individuals that had the career, the songwriting chops, the sort of ability to play together. That's never happened, never happened before and it's never happened since. And I think that, you know, I always have come to realize that Jeff Lynne is as much of the glue of that band as George Harrison was, because Jeff Lynne just knew, and again, you know, as a producer doc, he just knew how to put it all together. Oh, no, he's... He knew how to manage it. A mutant, uh, another mutant, where you just yeah. kind of go, really? How, what? <laughs> how did you, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but again, also, uh, you know, if you're paying attention, he's feeding you, you know, as uh, yeah. if you're paying attention, just like Tom is, just, you know, not so much uh, Bob or, or, or Rory, yeah. but uh you know george definitely you know all of that stuff and then just them and then also what i do like is is that petty goes back to being a bass player yeah in uh <laughs> that in he crutch, did yeah. in mud crutch right yeah. so he was the bass player in mud crutch so and then of course you know me being a bass player and you know like oh where there's there's one of my heroes going back to his first instrument really yeah. because nobody else would play bass, but I always wanted to be a bass player. So that's the only difference. So, well, you know, and then he also played all the drums on highway companion, which blew that's my right. mind when I found yeah. that out. It's like, Oh my God, yeah. anything this guy can't do. Okay. Doc, if you could join the heartbreakers on stage for one song, what would it be? 
And I've, I always ask, what instrument would you play and or sing? But, you know, you're more of a rumbler. You don't sing. So you're going to play bass. Which song are you doing? Um, Probably Last Dance with Mary Jane. Just for the uh, groove? Yeah, the groove is cool. You know, in our show, you know, I'm wireless. So okay, yeah. we have an extended solo going on. And I go quite out extended, in the crowud. Quite extended. <laughs> oh, yeah. I go out in the crowd doing okay. that. And groove I, and dance. I take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> I go backstage and I take a nap. I'm like, I'll be out when you guys are done. You go do uh, the, the Dave Lee Roth thing and just leave. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, and I just love that would be, you know, I wouldn't be, you know, on that type of stage, you wouldn't be able to go hang out with the crowd. Yeah. But uh, that's what I would like to play because of the pocket. The pocket is just the bomb. Yeah. Plus, I kind of, uh, changed uh you know I, I it's a little different than ron yeah uh, okay. plays uh particularly the chorus area and then i played a little different a little more lyrical I, you know caressing the melody a little more on the bass so nice. but, but the most of it in pocket so mary jane awesome I, th I think if i if i could pick one song to sing it, it'd probably be it's good to be king Nice. I, I love that song. It's so melodic. Um, it's not it's not super hard to sing, but it's super hard to sing well. Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, and some of the lyrics are just fantastic. You know, I mean, just to, to be to be able to sing with with the heartbreakers. You know, when your bulldog barks and your canary sings. Yeah. You know that 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 would just be. I don't know. I just love that song. Um, well, you talk about you were talking a little bit phrasing and intonation when your bulldog he kind of he barks he he bends that yes. vowel in there like he he's got that it's thing when that your he bulldog does. Barks, yeah, it's, that, it's you know kind of yeah. like little bend that 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 really does it. That yeah, really I love does it. it. But it's those subtle things in that song that make that song right. Yeah, Rick Rubin talks about um he was talking he was talking about wildflowers, but it's general on the album. It's a song where you listen to it and you've got an A section a B section. It's got a bit of a bridge. It's got an intro and outro. But there are so many different moments in that song that are very musical moments that, you know, if you're not a musician or if you're not really paying attention, they'll just pass you by. And that's one of them, just that very specific decision to sing that one word that very specific way. It's a musical moment. And as a producer or an engineer or a, a, a player, you're listening to that and you're going to feed off it. So, yeah, oh, yeah. very, very cool. Absolutely. Okay, uh, Chris, who would be your opening act at a top? Did you ever see The Heartbreakers Live? I've never I seen Tom Petty live. No. Well, me neither. So we're, we're in. But, I've, but I've watched a lot of video. <laughs> Four times. No, yeah. Doc, Doc's yeah. taunting us now. He's just taunting us with his with his he's, four he's there. He's just being obnoxious. <laughs> and, oh, four times. Yeah. Right, right, right. And my first time with Dylan. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> well, and you know that was what I was going to say is if I could have an opening act for Tom Petty, it might be Bob Dylan. Yeah. Um, either that or Boston, because I love Boston. <laughs> but it's the two are not related in any way, shape, or form, as far as I, I don't know. If, I don't, I'm trying to think. Well, they, I definitely, I think the Petty the Heartbreakers shared a bill with Journey. Yes, I don't know if they ever shared a bill yeah. with Boston. I'm not too sure about that. I'd no, have to look at that. I don't yeah. think so. And and either that or we we actually play one Leonard Skinner song based upon uh, a an experience Doc had. Uh, where he saw a poster with Mud Crutch with opening act Leonard Skinnerd. Yeah. Right. Which is kind of cool. Um, so yeah, maybe Leonard Skinnerd. That would be a cool one too. 
It's petty adjacent. That's what you're saying. It, right? petty, so. petty adjacent. <laughs> and, you know, and then I thought about the monkeys, you know, because the music was so fun and, and yeah. creative and, and silly at, at times. And some of that music is like that with petty. It can be, you know, silly yeah. at times and then deadly serious the next minute. It just sort of brings you on that roller coaster. But anyway, that's that's my answer. I always think about this too, when when people tell me, oh, I'd like this band to open, then you start thinking about, well, okay, what song could Bob come out and do with the Heartbreakers or, you know, what what could what could the crossover go? And I always think that the Heartbreakers doing Groom Still Waiting at the Altar would be mm. off the chart. That would be amazing. I'd love to hear that collaboration. So, Oh, yeah. Doc, how about you? Who's your opening act? Um, For the Heartbreakers, um, I don't, for me, it would be, I'm a Southern rock fan. Okay. For me, it would be someone like 38 special or, uh, you know, something like that. Uh, yeah. uh I, I like, um, uh, that just opposed where, uh, Southern rock, you know, pop. But to the thing about 38 special is that they're a pop rock band yeah. that was Southern rock, not just Molly hatchet, which was just jamming. <laughs> <laughs> right and i like molly hatchet but they only had one song as far as i'm concerned <laughs> yeah it's true where 38 special had a bunch of songs yeah and you know and there could be a possibility of a super jam at the end of the night with 38 special where i'm not necessarily think that that would be true if it was uh skinnered because they were too busy partying uh, <laughs> you go with you go with for modern day southern you know blackberry smoke would be a pretty cool yeah. combo too because you know some of the songs that that they play are are songs that i could see petty having written like one horse town that yeah. that could be a petty song i could well, see that and very clearly petty influence and i think they do a bunch of covers too of or they've they have done a bunch of covers of this in the time so they they share a dna i think um doc who's your favorite band member other than Tom Petty, um, this for me it's Ben Mon <laughs> because yeah. uh, you know all the stuff he comes up with is complementary to the song and completely memorable. Yeah, like with you know to me it was a. You know, I got to work with some pretty big muckney mucks in my life, like U2 and stuff like that. And there's a thing where it talks about the difference between little art or crafts, right? Yeah. And big art is that if you take this one component out, it becomes a craft or a little art. But if you put that one component in, it becomes art, you know? And, I love that. I love that. And I think that to me is what Ben Mon, they all do it. But Ben Mon, you know, when we're rehearsing the the songs or when we're if the Ben Mon flavors aren't in there, I kind of go, ah, and like I almost get giddy uh, when our keyboard player will do something uh, that I was like, oh, he's doing that part at the end of the song, <laughs> ah! you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, like that like, piano riff at the end of a good to be king yeah yeah, yeah. that makes the song right and or, you know it's funny because then you know it inspired me to come up with a bass part you know that mirrors the piano part and so if it's not there 
you know what I mean? Yeah. That's not, you know, yeah. So to me, those are the, uh, the, the yeah. so yeah, I would say Ben Mont for me. Well, I mean, because Ben Mont, I mean, listen to that guy play. That guy can play stride piano. That guy can do, you know, he can play Hammond organ like an absolute MF. Like, the guy can play anything. Right. But then when you listen to that piano part that he plays at the beginning of Crawling Back to You, right? it's this restrained, subdued, absolutely beautiful part because he understands the song because he listens. Yeah. Well, and, and like in Southern accents. Yeah. Just that, you're right, that restraint, but totally without it, you've gone, let's just go home. If we don't yeah. have that, you know what I mean? Like, so for me, Ben, Ma. absolutely. Chris, yeah, I, I mean, I have to, I have to say the same. Yeah. If for no other reason than it, did you ever see the document documentary uh, running down a dream? Yeah. And in that there, I, there's a scene in there where Ben Mott comes in and he's like, all you people just shut the fuck up. And he's like <laughs> reading them the riot act, trying to get them back on track. And I just, yeah. I like, I, I was like, wow, you can, you you have such stones that you can go up to Tom Petty basically yeah. and tell him to, you know to to rein it in. Yeah. Uh, that that's uh, that's that it, it was clear to me at that moment that he was not just a player in the band, you know that he was sort of part of the management, if you will, of how things got put together. Yeah. And even to the point of, you know, uh, of, of, of trying to, you know, direct Tom when it came to certain parts of songs that were keyboard, you know, forward, if you totally. will. Yeah. So, one I mean, the, he's I, one I of the guys in the band who isn't interchangeable, right? I mean, you take out right. Ron and we find how we, you can manage that. You can manage yeah. the drummer changing. Benmont and Mike, you just can't take those out of the no, band. You couldn't same take him away, yeah. just like you couldn't take Mike Campbell away. Yeah. I mean, it's right. the same, it's the same thing. Well, but the fact that Ron comes back, though, yeah, there is what a great story. You know yeah. what a great story and what a great arc, and yeah. not you know again no dispersions because you know I had that whole different headspace, right? Yeah. So, uh, and, and his singing, uh, Tom never had a better background uh, accompaniments vocally. You know, um, you know, and so to me, Ron, but Ron's pocket is undeniable. And that's really what I want for me is what I went to school on. Like, I just, I got to be able to come close to that pocket. And to me, the barometer is people dancing. (laughs) Because people, uh, you know, there's, there was a time where, you know, in the nineties and early aughts, that people were saying, you know, no one dances to rock and roll. I'm yeah. like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> they do at my shows. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, to me that that benchmark there is is when the band sings the the sings along, right? I mean, it's the dancing. I can tell when a when a crowd is into it, it makes us so much better. Like you said, that contract between yeah. the band and the crowd. But when I can when I can sing, you know, it's all right if you love me, and then put the mic out. And there it is, you yeah. know, and, and that, that's, an, that's always an amazing moment. One of my favorite emails is, is that uh, we got, we had, went to the show and it was so good. And um, my voice is still hoarse from singing along. And I'm like, yes, job then done. we did our we job. We did our right. job. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 100%. Chris, if you could go to see any Tom Petty concert from history that you weren't at, and obviously you weren't at because neither of us have seen him, um, which one would you pick? <laughs> 
the Hollywood Bowl show in September of 2017. For obvious reasons. Yeah. For obvious reasons. It's a very I mean, popular choice. Bitter, bittersweet. Uh, American Girl being the last song that he sang. Yeah. You know, and and one of the first songs that he sang, you know, in, in his arc. Yeah. And, you know, so that's... I'm getting the club. <laughs> yeah. I think there's also in that show that I always pick up onto is is that shout out to John Scott because John Scott sort of was the man who helped them kick everything off as well. So having that mention on I won't back down to John Scott was yeah. a beautiful sort of full circle moment. Which and again, as John said, I spoke to John Scott and he said he didn't need to do that. He could have said that he could have come up to John after the show and said, "Hey, thanks for everything, you know, for helping us out in the early days." But he did that in front of the crowd. I thought it was very, very cool, very yeah, classy. Absolutely. How about you, Doc? For me, is, it can't uh, be one of the ones you've seen. <laughs> yeah, oh. no, that, that's out. Yeah. <laughs> that's well, um, the Fillmore. Yeah. But the whole week that they were there, or whatever that whole all twenty dates. <laughs> yeah, like I would want to go every night. Uh, you know, and when you go there, you know, I've I've been there twice. Um, when you go there, talk about Mojo. You walk <laughs> yeah. into that room that space and you're like everybody's been here yeah like you know and it's a it's a crappy <laughs> so you know what I mean like there's no whiz bang about the the space yeah you know it it's showing its age when you're in that space but I'm telling you it's one of the fr- that and um I went to um uh Sun Records okay. I mean uh yeah Sun Records in Memphis, right? This is yeah, Sun yeah. Studios. Yeah, 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 yeah. And again, you walk in there and you're like, "Holy shit!" There's something about this space. Yeah, like, yeah. that's the same vibe I got at the Fillmore. Like, oh my god, this. Like you know, I'm walking on the same floor, Jimmy. I'm walking on the same floor. Like yeah. it's just, it's that weight of history, right? It's the same thing it would be if you walked into Abbey Road. In the big right. room in Abbey Road, you just think, okay, Jesus, this is where, you know, so absolutely. Yeah, so be- Let's talk about Walls. Yeah. Um, Doc, Walls number three or Walls Circus, which is your favorite version? I used to ask which is the best version, but that's the wrong question. Which is your favorite? Yeah, I think I think we did it for the 11th and Grant. Yeah, we did it for 11th and Grant. Nice. Um, circus, I think. I, I just think there's just something immediate about it for lack of a better word. Yeah. In the immediacy. There's also a swing to it that three doesn't have, which I mean, when I wrote this question, I thought everyone was going to say three because that's, that was always was, I think still probably is my favorite version, but most people say circus and a lot of people say it's because of Lindsay Buckingham and the arrangements a bit bigger, but, but it's got that, it does have that because it's a slower pace, slow tempo. It's got a bit more of a swing to it. It feels different. There's that one lyric change in it that makes it a little bit different. But Chris, are you a three or a circus fan? Uh, I'm. 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 Maybe that shows my lack of sophistication. But I'm a number three. There we uh, go. Yeah. I mean, I, I. I love both versions, and yeah. I think some of the 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 way they the arrangements in circus version are amazing. But we sing the number three version, uh, or we play that. Yeah. And, you know, I. I think that song in general demonstrates one of the things that I've noticed about Tom Petty's writing uh, is his lyrics. They don't go where you expect them to go. Yeah. Right. I mean, they, they go someplace different, even though the 
obvious rhyme is there. <laughs> you know, it's it, 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 some doors are open, some doors are locked. You know, some roads are are you know it 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 just does uh, you know it just it doesn't Absolutely. go where you expect it to go. It doesn't go to the obvious place, yeah. and that's that's what I love about that song the most. But as far as the versions are concerned, um, you know, I I I have to go with number three. Deadly. Um, so if Chris, if you could pick any artist to cover any Tom, this is a this is a tough one, but this is my favorite question though. If you could pick any artist to cover any Tom Petty song, who would it be, and which song would they cover? Jay Farrar, Sunvolt, and then he'd cover the waiting. Oh, I'm gonna have to look that one up then because I don't know. Jay Farrar. Jay okay. Farrar from Sunvolt? No. Also, uh, what's the other one? Um shoot, I can't remember his name, but uh yeah, Jay Farrar. Look him up. It's he's got a great voice. Um, it's very different, it's very distinct. Okay. Sort of like it's not like Petty's voice, but it's distinct in the same way that Petty voice, Petty's voice is distinct. Cool. I will, that's, this is the best thing it, about it, it because it, I get hip to new artists all the time in this, in this section. So Sunvolt is sort of Wilco adjacent. If okay. Um, I think Jay Farrar was in Wilco for a, a while, then Jeff Tweedy and him had a falling out or something. I don't, I don't know the history there, but <laughs> uh, I know there is some history. Okay. How about you, Doc? What's your song? Well, it's a weird one. I weirder the better. I love the weird ones. So it would be the all star band with Prince that did My Guitar Gently Weeps. Okay. With Love is Long Road. I like the idea of that because it's got this, you've got the same potential there for, for Prince to just go to go off on one. Yeah, but you've got everybody yeah. on stage. Yeah doing you know a who influenced petty song bombastic <laughs> beyond the words yeah right and, and uh you know and i have to say that you know kind of getting it's it, it's interesting that they picked that for that video game but you know we've played it over the years and it's always gone well even though it's a deep cut to a lot yeah. of the surface petty fans but it's always gone well and the fact that you know you know, there's a bit of the grunge, uh, you know, uh, cult uh, approach in yeah. arrangement, or, you know, the way that I approach it. So it's really hard hitting the way yeah. we play, you know, and people love it, you know. Uh, so, and, you know, a lot of guitar shenanigans and stuff like that. For that sure. But it's unusual too in the Paddy Castle that it starts with a, with a synth. There's not that many songs in the catalog that start that way. And it's so immediately, especially on Full Moon Fever, which is it's a guitar album, it right. just really grabs you and it stands out from everything else because of it, I think. And it's I I yeah, I love that song. And I always that's one of those songs that I've loved since the first time I heard it, and I still love it just as much now, and I never get sick of listening to it. So we've opened up with it too. Yeah. Because it just great opener. Like, grabs people. Yeah. It just grabs people. All of a sudden it's like those the the old adage where you like my well, my grandfather who's my namesake, Grandpa Doc, would go, you know, well, you know what you do if you're new in the school and stuff like that, and you see a bully, just go ahead and hit him. <laughs> Even if you get beat up, he's not going to fuck with you again. Right? <laughs> Put a marker down. Yeah. Right. He's just like, yeah, that's too much work, right? <laughs> to me, it's like, we're going out, we're going to punch everybody in the face and let's get after this. You know, to me, that's what uh, Love is a Long Road is like. Brilliant. 
And so then what song do you most frequently recommend uh, to people, Doc, who don't know Tom's music? And there is a sort of an addendum to that I've started answering this question that um, if you do have people in your life who don't know Tom's music, you can probably just jettison them. You probably don't need those people <laughs> hanging around, right? Uh, yeah. Well, to me, it's... Um... It's all depending on kind of like when I meet someone who, you know, may only have one song in their yeah. playlist or something like that or something like that. And I want to kind of get them into a headspace of, you know, this American, like I'll find out what they're into. Yeah. Because there's a petty song that is adjacent to whatever type of music you love to listen to. Totally. And, you know, so a lot of times I think the uh, thing that I'll, uh, uh, do if particularly when I'm coming across because it's in Montana and the West, I'm coming across a lot of Americana kids and stuff like that. So yeah. I'll go, you know, um, I will lean into something from Wildflowers or I'll lean into something from, you know, um, the later years. Okay. You know? um, Full Moon Fever as well. You know, so to me, it's like that. But, uh, yeah, for me, it's if you, you really want to kind of get somebody into an American thing, you can't you can't go wrong with free falling, right? Because yeah. it's an American story, yeah, right. And it's you know, and and it's all these touchstones that even if that's not your experience completely you know somebody that that story is talking about that's yeah. similar to that. So yeah, free falling is probably the the go-to gateway drug. It's probably the only song I've ever put on par with Waterloo Sunset in my mind as the most perfect pop song ever written. Right. Which kind of got one? that thing, Waterloo Sunset by the Kinks. Oh yeah. Which to yeah. me is just, that's my, you know, if I want to go into the ground or I get go into the fire, oh. that's what I want playing is Waterloo Sunset. But free falling and maybe listen to a heart falls in the same bracket where you think right. i don't know there's not a single note you could or would change in either of those songs or any of those songs to make it any better so right. that makes it a perfect pop song i think right so chris how about you i i mean i i think if i would it would depend on the person right yeah. i mean if they have a, a, and what their level of sophistication is you know in yeah. terms of like i mean if i was just going to get somebody into into petty i'd probably want them to listen to two songs um right. one would be, probably be change of heart um which i just think is a fantastic early pop song yeah that petty wrote uh, that 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 is that is catchy and it sort of defines the sound that he had back then and then i'd probably make him listen to something from echo or you know angel dream um you know yeah just to give them the range and then let them do their their own thing in terms of like walking down that path because it's a long path and there's a lot of stops along the way <laughs> right so yeah i, th I yeah, think i think we like... have go oh, ahead sorry i'm sorry no that's all right oh, i i think in our you know in our you know with you know with a little bit of notice that around 45 petty songs that we can draw upon yeah you know and i think uh, always adding more you know hints you yep. know i'm blocking the song he wants me to learn <laughs> right now but uh, uh come on man 
<laughs> I'm just kind of having fun. I mean, the other thing too is that, you know, uh, I, I do want to kind of say this is that really uh, after coming out of the pandemic and stuff like that, and we got signed to Atomic Music Group, which is out of Nashville and LA right. booking company. Um, that now going into 2024, we're really focused on not building a fan base as much as performing for uh, fairs and casinos and festivals. And, you know, instead of trying to build something about coming and celebrating something yeah i think it's a different headspace than we were before and now with this pbs show episode that we're doing you know that's coming out and they've given me the permission to put out singles okay uh, from the show and we're thinking about doing vinyl uh of the I'm show in. i'm in I'll pre-order, I'll I'll crowdfund whatever you want me to do. So I think we're going to do, uh, once you know, uh, all the paperwork is signed, that we're probably going to do a GoFundMe to pay for the vinyl. Yeah. And so that uh, and then to get our fans and friends who, you know, would like to have that, you know, that piece. And then of course, sell them at the, uh -oh. the fact that they were like, yeah, yeah. go ahead and do that. Yeah. And again, in the celebration of Petty, not, you know, uh, and then giving somebody something to hold on to. Perfect. Mm -hmm. To end our conversation, Chris, describe Tom Petty in three words. Well, I, I mean, I was tempted when I saw that question, just go fucking amazing songwriter, <laughs> um, you know, but I, I would say inspired, um, relatable um and generational in the sense that it just covers such a, a spectrum of yeah. humanity those are my three words love it what do you doc to finish master american songwriter for me that's you know every everything that is great about america shows up in tom petty's art and so for me, being you know, an American mutt, right, <laughs> it speaks to me on every level. I'm a Southern boy. And so, you know, so much so that my mom, when I would come back from visiting my relatives down South, one year she said, oh, that's it, I'm taking you to speech therapy because you're speaking too Southern. So there was a period of time <laughs> where you could be a Southern boy too much, you know, that, yeah. you know, if you wanted to kind of move through the world and he never lost that. Right. And it's one of the reasons I love that we got to do Southern accents. It just meant so much to me. And that yeah. song encapsulates so much about, you know, the American experience and all of his songs have this, he's not a British guy. He's not a Parisian. He's not, you know, he's an American kid from the South who happened to, knock one out of the park in los angeles and he never it never felt like he bought into the la thing yeah well it and always, he celebrates uh you know in, in his own way he celebrates right. the american experience warts and all yeah right, right. i mean that's what free fallen is all about in my estimation i mean it's 
it's just a fantastic uh, homage to to America, his songwriting. Right. 